For the month of November, the Fire and Water Podcast Network is sponsored by the wonderful all-ages graphic novel, The Only Living Girl. From David Gallagher and Steve Ellis, the award-winning team that brought you The Only Living Boy, comes this thrilling new action-adventure series, The Only Living Girl. Hi, my name is Andra. People call me Z. I was a normal girl. I loved science, my bear, and my dad. One day, tragedy struck. But that wasn't the end of my story. I awoke in a patchwork world filled with mermaid warriors, insect princesses, robots. A world created by my dad who had become a mad scientist. Now I'm stuck in a world that doesn't trust me, in a conflict with my father's creations. Luckily, I still have my friend Eric and my bear. I am the only living girl. The Only Living Girl, Volume 1, The Island at the Edge of Infinity is available now in both hardcover and paperback from Paper Cuts. more peaceful since the revolution. It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? Welcome to another thrilling episode of Give Me Those Star Wars, the Ewoks Caravan of Courage movie of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Daly, and Star Wars has officially entered a new age. This past Tuesday, the Disney Corporation unleashed its new streaming service, Disney Plus, which included all of their movies and TV shows under its umbrella and debuted the first episode of its brand new live action Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. Here to help me discuss the first chapter of this milestone in Star Wars franchise is a brand new guest making his debut on Give Me Those Star Wars, but he is a familiar voice to the Fire and Water Network, the co-host of Zero Hour Strikes, and formerly First Strike, the Invasion podcast. Please welcome Bass to the show. What's up, Bass? 
Oh, everything's up. The Mandalorian is up, <laughs> and I'm all excited now. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you, since you're a first-timer on the show, before we talk about the series, uh, how familiar are you with Star Wars? What has been your experience with it? Well, you know, uh, just being inside the geekosphere for so long, I mean, you can't you, you can't not know Star Wars. But I, I wasn't really a big fan until, I'd say, yeah, maybe... Five years ago, when my son came back from uh, from daycare, and he was like uh, saying, "Oh, I'm Darth Vader! I'm Darth Vader!" and I'm like, "Who? How did you? I don't have anything Star Wars in the house. How do you know Darth Vader?" And he's like, "Well, friends at daycare are Darth Vader." And I first thing I said was, "Well, do you want to know who Darth Vader is?" And he said, "Yes." So we went out and we bought the Blu-ray collection of all the six. Uh, the the first part of the saga, and we started watching Star Wars, and that well, we probably watched Star Wars a hundred times each. <laughs> uh, he just loved it. I started to love it, and uh, then we started watching Clone Wars and uh, Rebels, and we've been uh, Star Wars fans uh, since since then. And uh, just tonight, uh, right before the episode, we watched The Mandalorian together, and his. Uh, his his last words were, "Can we watch episode two? And I'm like, no, we, we, there, "There there is no episode two right now." And he's like, "Well, ah, why 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 is there no episode two? I want episode two now." So I wanted episode two now also. Yeah, no kidding. Um, not to not to bury the lead of our excitement level for this. Um, and uh, listeners, uh, if I get the calendar correct. Uh, this episode will be dropping on the Friday after the first, and Chapter Two should be debuting on that Friday when you're listening <gasps> to this. Uh, so they're actually they're bunching them. They're releasing episodes one and two a little bit closer together, and then following this, new episodes will drop every Friday. I think I think it's eight chapters for this series, and I think they have already confirmed that they're going to do a second one. So it, it should be wrapping up right around Christmas time. But yeah, definitely, I think it's pretty cool that you don't have to wait the full week for uh, Chapter 2. Oh, yeah. That, that is just such a cool, such an adorable story that I, I certainly, like, you were aware of the property, but didn't really get into it into, uh, until you were an adult. Kind of like me uh, with Star Trek uh, fandom, really. I, I, <laughs> well, I didn't really get into it until rather recently. See, that's the problem. My dad was Trekkie. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he when I was small he took me to see uh, for one of the first movies I ever saw uh, was uh, Empire Strikes Back actually yeah. uh, but he didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> he loved and like you know this constant battle between yeah. Trekkies and Star Wars fans <laughs> um, well he he never really liked Star Wars so yeah. I, I kind of fell into the Trekkie trap yeah. and uh, got released just five years ago. Yeah, I, I'm sort of there uh, with my brother. He definitely indoctrinated me into Star Wars fandom uh, and would not let me. Uh, he, he would <laughs> he would suffer no Star Trek fans. <laughs> well, can can you blame him? I mean, I, I get it. Photon torpedoes are cool, but they're not they're not lightsaber cool. Lightsaber, yeah, oh, awesome. I no, I love the fact that you are experiencing it with your son and that you kind of had that that shared experience. Um, hopefully, I can replicate that with my own kid. Although. His interests right now seem to be much more technically aligned with, you know, dump trucks and, and garbage stuff. But oh yeah, don't worry about that. He'll he'll fall into the. It's it's so easy to fall into Star Wars. I mean, yeah. it's it's just great. Yeah. He does he does have a stuffed Ewok toy that he loves, but 
Uh, okay, cool. So let us get into uh, what we're actually here to talk about. And for those of you listening, uh, apologies if you haven't watched it. If you don't have Disney Plus yet, I highly recommend it. I, I think it's well worth the value of it so far. Spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about this. This is just the first chapter. Uh, I, I'm hoping once the series is all done, I'll probably come back and do another episode kind of going over the whole thing. Uh, but for now, we're just talking about all that we can talk about. Chapter 1 is directed by Dave Filoni, uh, who was the showrunner behind Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels, the animated series. Uh, and it was written by John Favreau, uh, the director of Iron Man and, and you know, one of the, you know, the architects of the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I, I believe Favreau is the showrunner and writer of this entire series uh, and might actually direct one of the later episodes, too. It stars Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian, although you'd never know that because he doesn't take his helmet off in this chapter, and I love that. Uh, we see Carl Weathers as a character named Grief Karga, Werner Herzog, the, the filmmaker, with the creepiest voice, but I love to hear his voice, uh, as a character just known as the Client. Uh, Nick Nolte, of all people, as the voice of this kind of rancher blurg handler named Kuil, I think. He's an Ugnaught, like the people who worked at uh, Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back. Um, yeah. Taika Waititi, uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok and What We Do in the Shadows, he is the voice of IG-11, the assassin model droid. Uh, and then there's another a woman named Emily Swallow plays the armorer, who is another Mandalorian character, who is just sort of in charge of crafting their armor. Uh, the story, very briefly, it opens up on a sort of icy wasteland planet, sort of like what you would expect uh, in the far, like, northern Canada, like, above, like, the Arctic Circle or in Alaska. Uh, just icy plains everywhere, um, and, and just, like, a small of, like, the Mandalorian... Is, has a tracker. He goes into this place. There's like a, a dispute. These like you know tough guy hoods are shaking down this blue skin alien. The Mandalorian walks in there. They try to harass him. He quickly dispatches both of them, kills them, and you know the blue skin alien I think is played by Horatio Sands. He's all like thank you, thank you, protect me. It turns out he, that guy's got a bounty on his head, and the Mandalorian's taking him in. Uh, they go back to his ship, which involves you know, a, a speeder across these icy wastes with this giant, like, snake monster thing that jumps out of the ice. But they get away, the bounty tries to act, you know, little shifty tries to get away once they're aboard the ship, and the Mandalorian freezes him in carbonite. carbonite. Goes back to another planet where he meets Carl Weathers' character, Grief Karga, who's sort of in charge of the Bounty Hunters Guild, or at least is his contact from that. Uh, and he puts him in touch with uh, Werner Herzog's character, just known as the Client, Surrounded by four stormtroopers, but I definitely get the fa- get the idea that these are not actual Imperial stormtroopers. These are mercenaries who just got their hands on stormtrooper armor and equipment. And he gives them basically, you know, he'll pay him in this Beskar steel, which is what the the Mandalorians, what their you know special armor is. And I could be I could be wrong about this, but I think what makes this steel so particularly special is. I think it is sort of impervious to lightsabers. Um, yeah, well, that's what I I thought I heard once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, like a, a fully armored, like with Beskar steel, like uh, could not be just randomly cut down by a, a lightsaber. I think. But anyway, uh, so Werner Herzog gives him like the details. It's very vague, very shady. He's like, I can give you the planet where this bounty is on. You're supposed to get, take this thing alive, but if you can kill it and just show proof of death. And the only other thing we can tell you is that the target is 50 years old. 
So, all right, that's not really much detail, but they're like, hey, you're you're a high-priced bounty hunter. You can figure it out. So he goes there. He's attacked by two like alien creatures, and then Nick Nolte's character protects him, and he has to learn how to ride one of these creatures, like a horse-like mount, to get across the desert. Finds this compound where all these sort of like mercenary thugs, the kind that you'd see at Jabba's palace, are guarding their target, and the Mandalorian shows up at the same time as IG-11, this assassin droid. So it basically, it looks like Boba Fett and IG-88, exactly what I always wanted when I was a kid. <laughs> and they just proceed to like go through, you just like the last 10 minutes are just this gunfight through this thing. It's like a Wild West thing. It is beautiful. It's so, so fun. Uh, they're shooting, and they finally, the two bounty hunters get to their target, and they find out, and it looks like it's just a, uh, the Star Wars version of a baby crib. And he's like, I, I, that doesn't make sense. This thing is supposed to be 50 years old. And the IG's like, well, you know, all species age differently. When you get a closer look at the baby inside, shock, it is the green, like, it is Yoda's species. Uh, a baby Yoda species. Uh, so it's kind of incredible. And, like, the IG-11 is like, hey, we have to kill this thing because that's what the Bounty Hunter Guild wanted. They want a proof of death. And he raises his gun to shoot it. And the Mandalorian shoots the droid and kills IG-11. And the last shot is just him kind of reaching out his hand to the baby, baby Yoda, essentially, uh, and he's gonna like protect this thing now uh, or take it in alive. That, I mean, big picture. What were your thoughts after you saw it, other than wanting to see the next chapter? <laughs> well, uh, I love the fact that he never took off his helmet. That yep. was the, the big thing. But also how uh, Mandalorians, well, they have this, you know, this reputation. Uh, they're known everywhere, so th- their their reputation precedes them. Yeah, um, they're known as tough people, but we seem to to discover this decorum when it comes to armor making and and I'm guessing weapons. They they kind of feel like a, I don't know, like samurai in some way. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It really felt like a spaghetti western where you. you you have these gunslingers, but they're really samurai, yeah, or, or ronin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that so. was my that was my thing. It was like a, a ronin version of the samurai because they're they're sort of like the the feudal like armored warriors, but they don't have a master. It's like they're exactly. they're sort of like they're they're got they've gone rogue because they're you know pushed to the brink of ex- of non-existence. Although there is like this little underground place where we see the armor, where there are some other Mandalorians or people wearing the armor. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it was great. I mean, it felt like it felt like Star Wars. It felt like a Star Wars story, and it looked great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it really looked great. My yeah. first impressions were high fives all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, my like the first things that came out of my mouth, I was like, it, it was a spaghetti western Star Wars movie. Um, <laughs> like if you if you took. Like all of the Star Wars trappings out of this, the costumes, the weapons, the, the the ships, and everything like that, it would be you know True Grit or the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. It would oh, yeah. be you know one of those you know Sergio Leone, Clint Eastwood western movies. Like it, it was perfect. And no kidding, that's exactly what I wanted from this type of project. And if you go back to a previous episode of Give Me Those Star Wars that I did back with J. David Weeder, I, I said I don't really want a Boba Fett movie anymore because, you know, the prequels, uh, the whole, I, I felt like they kind of ruined the character. I think the, mm. the Clone Wars cartoon did a little bit to redeem him, but I, I was kind of like, I, 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 don't, I don't think I need this. But if they're going to do it, the things that I want are he never takes the helmet off, 
and it looks, it feels like a Western. And I think the fact that at one point the director of 310 to Yuma was going to be doing a Boba Fett project, I was like, all right, well, then that, that he can do that then. I, I, would, be, I would be fine <laughs> with that then. Uh, so this was, no kidding, this was exactly what I wanted. And people familiar with the show know I, I was really burned out after The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> It's sort of notoriously so. Uh, I I really bought into that one, and then I I didn't like the movie, and I didn't like it for various reasons. But I grew to hate Star Wars fandom and everybody, the fallout of the movie and everything associated with it. I just, just really kind of enraged and depressed me, so I just I backed away. So I was disappointed with that. I did see Solo, and I liked it more than I thought I would. I thought the movie was pretty entertaining, but just I didn't have any emotional connection to it. You really, I mean, Solo, Solo was great, and it, 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 but the fandom was so weird. Yeah. That you know, <laughs> a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's the Star Wars is too feminine." Yeah, and yeah. Now we have this buddy movie with two guys. Well, a guy and a Wookiee. Yeah. And and all of a sudden nobody talks about nobody, it. Yeah, you know, nobody. I, nobody I, went it was to so see weird. It. Nobody. It was so weird to see it. They were so mad, but. But then, so, you know, the the episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, is coming out soon, and I've seen the trailers, and they're just not resonating with me. They're not hooking me, like, emotionally. And I am prepared for that movie to be the best of the new Star Like, I, I'm not going into it thinking it's going to suck. Um, I, I don't think it's going to tank or anything like that. I, I Like, I'm prepared. Like, I was, it, it might end up being the best of all the new movies and everything, but I just, I'm not excited for it. I am excited for the Disney Plus series now, uh, and you mentioned like how well it looks. Like the production value on this thing is oh, great. Um, there were only a few little bits where I was like, I, I think if this was in a movie theater or on the big screen, I would have demanded a little bit better CG. Like when he's riding the Blurg and the, like yeah. the first the first speeder that shows up with the droid in the ice world, I felt like those were looked a little bit soft, kind of cartoonish. But other than that, yeah. this looked really really good. Um, and yeah, my first thing was that was you know if if this is anything to go by, the production the quality of this, then I am fine with Star Wars being a live-action TV series or, or various different series going forward, and it doesn't have to be the big event movies or only do the big event movies when you really, really have something that's worthy and be, of being an event, not pushing one every year. Um, exactly. Like, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I mean, if, if the, the somebody came down and said, well, you know what? You, you know this uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi trilogy we wanted to do? <laughs> We're going to do a TV series at 8 episode tv series i'd be down with it yeah absolutely absolutely and i i think that would be much better and and the other the uh the other one the series that they're doing is uh based on cassian andor and uh the the droid from rogue one uh mm-hmm. they're kind of like partnership and they got diego luna and alan tudyk to come back for that one and i'm kind of excited for that because i i did not like rogue one as as much as a lot of people did i, I think most of my friends liked the movie a lot more than i, I did i had some problems with it chiefly is I didn't really care about any of the characters. And I thought uh, that Cassian and or character in his droid had a lot of potential to be really interesting. We were told they were really interesting, but I didn't really see a lot of evidence of that. But if they give them a series and make you could flesh them out over eight episodes, then I think, you know what? I, I'm actually down for that. I think that could be Oh, cool. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So, I'd be I'd be all in 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 these types of series because you can you can tell a, a bigger story. You can, I mean, it, it it not that it can linger, but you can really go into detail for a lot of things and for for many a uh, for many reasons. Story wise, TV series are better than movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as we go through, I just want to kind of break down like some of the highlights of this episode and kind of go through and and. I've already talked to you just online, like just shooting text messages and, and messages back and forth between like guys, uh, former guests of the show, uh, Dave Weeder, Aaron Bias, Andy Capellish, my brother. So we've, I've talked about some of these things with them and they kind of gave me a few ideas. Um, but first of all, there are a few really nice Easter eggs uh, in this thing. Um, first of all, there are two, at least two callbacks to the infamous Star Wars holiday special. Um, in the very beginning, when when the Mandalorian captures the bounty, uh, the the guy, the blue skinned alien, says something about wanting to get back for Life Day. That was a thing celebrated by the Wookies. It was like the the fake, you know, sort of Christmas or Thanksgiving, whatever it was, <laughs> from the holiday special. Um, and then the Mandalorian's rifle, his long rifle that he holds with like the sort of like a tuning fork edge that he has like a shock thing on it that, that he gets away. That was what. Boba Fett had as his weapon in the holiday special, in the animated sequence that introduced Boba Fett even before The Empire Strikes Back. He had a weapon like that. Uh, So so when I saw that in the previews for that, I was like, that's pretty cool, that they're embracing that type of thing. Um, It's, uh, maybe you're going to kick me off the show, Ryan, but (laughs) I've never seen the holiday special. There is absolutely no reason you should. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like, no, there, you, you, that's, you're not like forfeiting a geek card or anything because of that. There's no reason for okay. you to see the show. I only saw it for the first time a couple. Like, I'd seen bits and, and like pieces and chapters, but I only saw the first the whole thing in its entirety for the first time a couple of years ago. Uh, basically, because I was browbeaten into watching it with one of my guests for this podcast. <laughs> um, and, okay, and I feel better now. Yeah, it, it's god awful. Like, the only thing I would recommend is actually, um, like, go online and just like look up. Uh, maybe it might be on YouTube. Uh, the Boba Fett sequence is an animated sequence. It's kind of goofy. Um, that's kind of fun. That's like the best part. Uh, there might be like one or two other segments, but yeah. Um, okay. But the other thing is the Blurg animals that um, the Mandalorian has to ride, that he has to learn to ride, and that Nick Nolte's character trains him to use. Those animal creatures were originally shown in the Ewok movies. Um, oh. Like they were like bad stop motion animation things in those. So the fact that they brought those back. So this thing, which is you know pretending to be such a serious new endeavor, is having callbacks to you know not just the movies and the cartoons, but it's embracing elements of the holiday special and the Ewok movies. And these are things that Star Wars, for the longest time, for decades, was so embarrassed by that it wouldn't even acknowledge their existence. Um, like, like you'll note, like those movies are not on Disney Plus. Like they, they put all their other Star Wars property on there, but they're like, no, we're not doing that. Uh, thank God for John Favreau. Yeah, really, really. I think he he loved that stuff, and so Dave Filoni too. I mean, you know how much he loves it just because of his connection to the Rebels and Clone Wars and the animated series and stuff. Just the the teaser, the whole introduction when he walks into that bar. And he doesn't say anything, and he gets into the fight. Like, like, yeah, just the the, the the spaghetti western thing. I was like, that was just such a perfect thing. I loved how that whole fight went down. Oh, oh yeah, that was so vintage Clint Eastwood. Yeah. That was just tough as leather. It was great. 
Um, and then they do have to get across the ice so, because, again, one of the things that Star Wars does is it's got these monsters, and there's always a thing like that when you're fighting the elements. I, I really like um, uh, Carl Weathers. Uh, his character doesn't do a whole lot. He's, he's, got a, he's a pretty straightforward character as his, uh, as his contact with the Bounty Hunters Guild. Uh, I, I hope that we see more of him. Just because of the nature of these type of things, it, it, like he wouldn't surprise me if he's an ally, but maybe he'll turn traitor later on. I, I can sort of see him end, ending up becoming a bad guy just because that's the way some of these things tend, tend to go sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, getting into the, the scene uh, with the client, again, only known as uh, uh, the client, but played by Werner Herzog, who much more known as a director, but he has given a few kind of memorable performances. And his voice, I just love his weird sort yeah. of whispering voice. Uh, it was yeah. very Shakespearean for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. Um, he had this, this kind of theater quality to it yeah. without being theatrical right it was great yeah Yeah. um and definitely he's we don't know who he is or what his position is but he's got this guy beside him named dr pershing dr pershing definitely wants this yoda creature alive why we don't know why it's like like, you know because the the werner herzog's character is like you know he's like i understand bounty hunting is a complicated business he's like if you can't bring it in alive Proof of death would be acceptable for a slightly reduced fee. And Pershing is like, wait a minute, that's not what we agreed to. And he kind of shuts him up. He's like, I'm being pragmatic about this. So that's, uh, yeah, just a very sort of interesting. Um, and again, he, he's surrounded by, you know, four Imperial stormtroopers, but I don't think he's part of the Empire. I really get, like, just based on the condition of them. And the Mandalorian actually says the, the Empire has fallen. So this does take place at an indeterminate amount of time between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Um, oh, I love the scene when, when Pershing walks in and the Mandalorian picks up his guns and the stormtroopers raise their weapons and everything. And he's, they, they, uh, he's like, please lower your weapon. He's like, I'll do it when they do it first. And he's like, we outnumber you four to one. He's like, I like those odds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just, he was just badass all around. I mean, yeah. he was, he was perfect as a bounty hunter, cowboy, gunslinger with a, fork thing that shoots or i don't know i don't know what it shoots but you know he he was just perfect in that i mean he's he still has this you know he's not a small guy he's still tall and imposing and he's you know he has this presence but when he goes into action mode and oh man he's just he's the beast I, I'm I'm really happy they haven't shown his face, and I will be happy if they never do. It wouldn't surprise me if we do get him to take his helmet off. I mean, I would think like Pedro Pascal is a good-looking actor. He's a good-looking guy, and everything like that. And I really I've seen him before on Game of Thrones. He played a really fun character in like season four, um, named Oberon Martell, who has spoilers for Game of Thrones. If you didn't expect this, he has one of the grisliest, bloodiest, most painful deaths I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, and, yeah, well, that's yeah. that's what happens when you fight a mountain, right? <laughs> and and gore and death and violence and stuff like that doesn't usually bother me, but like the emotional connection along with like how visceral and ugly his death was really shook me. Um, oh yeah. So I was glad that he was coming back for this, and I really liked the scene between him and the armorer when he goes in. Um, yeah. And she makes a new like uh, shoulder pad for him and everything based with the Beskar steel that he got as a down payment. 
and he talks about his experience as a foundling, like a, a sort of younger child who was like taken, and we get flashes of some sort of violent action that maybe his parents died and how he was taken in by the Mandalorians. I, I have a feeling that will be further explored. Um, she has a line. She says something like, has your signet been revealed yet or something like that? And he says, not yet. I, I don't know if that's... I'm not exactly sure what that's referring to. I think it's like a like a symbol or a logo, like a, a special like mark or, or some kind of like shibboleth or something that would go on his on his uniform. And I I could be way off base here, and I, I'm not exactly sure what it's, it's referring to. But the impression I got from that moment was, you know, even though he's a pretty competent, pretty you know, like well trained bounty hunter, I kind of got the impression that he's still fairly young, and this seemed to me like. Uh, uh, like an MI5 spy or an MI6 spy who hasn't gotten his double O yet. He's like James yeah. Bond before he gets to be 007. Um, He's uh, Anakin Skywalker that can't be a master Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Without all the whining. <laughs> Without, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, by, by the time we get to the end with like this this awesome, just old-fashioned Western shootout, you know, in oh, the man. The, with like the different buildings there in the town square of like this whole little compound and everything, like diving for cover and shooting with this droid. I mean, this is this is what I dreamed about when I was like you know ten or eleven years old of what would it be like to see Boba Fett and and IG eighty eight in action. Uh, somebody I was talking to it was like this. They it felt like these guys were just a lover of the role playing game. Uh, because yeah. it seems like the, a lot of the material, a lot of the adventure hooks for Star Wars role-playing games start out this way. Um, and actually, the ending spoiler kind of kind of ticked me off because a few years ago I was actually running a Star Wars role-playing game uh, that sort of fizzled out. But one story hook I had in mind for later on down the road, if if the game kept on going that way, was that the adventures would be on a planet and um, like some either an older woman or a droid would sort of come to them in desperation and say, you have to get me off the planet, like, you know, right now. At the same time, there's this crackdown, and, like, people are searching ships and everything like that, and, and they agree to take the woman off, and, and after they escape, you know, after they get into space, they find out that she's, like, the nursemaid or something for this, for a baby. Like, they didn't even realize that they were bringing a baby off the planet, and then they're being chased, and you, I would end up revealing that this baby is, like, almost a sort of, like, Anastasia type of thing, or, like, the last Romanoff, um, it, where it's like the the true heir to some like sort of royal family and there's been a coup so that entire bloodline is being wiped out but it's also like there would be like magical powers or the force would be involved with this child's destiny so it's all about like the characters now have to decide do they turn the baby over to be executed and get a reward or do they bring it to like this this you know cabal of resistance fighters to protect this baby and and lead it to adulthood or something like that so So I was like, yeah, yeah. That, would be, that would be a cool idea. And then, like at the end, when it's like, oh, the bounty, the secret thing is, he's he finds a Yoda baby, and he's got to now protect this thing. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I can't do that story. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, great minds think alike, I guess. Ah, uh, yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, John Favreau and I are right in sync. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, Taika Waititi has been great. He's great as Korg in the Marvel movies um, and his other performances and everything. I love the fact that he voices this droid, but 
he does it so flatly because he does it as a droid, and yet like a lot of it is still kind of comedic. Like when he says, "He's like, I will now initiate self-destruct," you know, procedure because <laughs> my body cannot be taken whole. And he's like, "No, do not self-destruct. We'll get out of this." Oh, this that whole uh, firefight. I mean, it was action all around, but it was funny. It was dramatic. It was uh, actionful. It was there was a lot at stake. I mean, that was a great gunfight i mean yeah. it, it, really up there with the best gunfights i've ever seen in movies yeah yeah exactly i mean uh, yeah we were, we were saying like this in one of the other messages like i mean if you stripped away all the star warsness of this this would be a great western and it's oh just, yeah like, you, could, you could see this it's just like put these guys you know in in regular like six shooters and everything but it's yeah the action choreography like the way this is filmed and and i don't know if dave filoni has done live action stuff before like he's primarily he's been the showrunner of these animated series, but he he knows the camera work. He knows. I mean, I mean, you've watched Clone Wars and Rebels, so yeah. you can speak to the, their sophistication. Those are good series. Oh yeah, um, definitely. But I, I I mean, if this is his first live action work, I mean, like right out of the gate, he's got a great eye. The cinematography looks tight. It looks good, um, and the action choreography is just terrific in this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just so jazzed. I'm so excited. Like, if, like as a first chapter, this was, this was exactly what I wanted. This was what I frankly needed to kind of put Star Wars back in my heart. Um, and this is what I'm excited for. I want to see more of this series. I want to see the Cassian Andor series. I want to see the Obi Wan series. And I'm excited for where this could go in the future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, I didn't think because we really didn't know. I mean, we we only knew the man Mandalorian was coming, but we didn't know anything. And I mean, out of the gate, this is the great first episode. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a great series, and I, I can't wait to see what else is going to come out of this uh, new Star Wars era. Yeah, yeah, me too. And just, I mean. I was already pretty sure that we were going to be seeing like really high production value for the amount of star talent that they're attracting these things. But like, I mean, if this is what we get like right out of the gate, by the time the the Marvel series roll around, like once you know, like next next year when we get the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and and all those other things, I'm expecting just a, a lot of really really great things. Um, oh yeah, yeah. This is this is this is really exciting. Um, uh, a few other just a little casting tidbits uh, for upcoming episodes in this uh, series that we haven't seen yet. Um, there's another character who I, I think is going to be a pretty main character because she's already got action figure out. Uh, is a character named Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano, um, who is an actress who's been uh, in a lot of things, but she's also like an MMA, I think, an uh, MMA fighter or something. I think that's where she got her start. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and she was in Deadpool also. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, you're right. She might also be a bounty hunter, but she looks like a, like a tough girl. She's like always carrying like a big heavy machine gun or something like that. Um, Ming Na Wen, uh, who's in Agents of Shield, and she's been in other stuff like ER and everything. Uh, she's playing some role in the series, and I, I'm excited for that because I love her. She was one of my earliest crushes when I was a kid. Like I, I just <laughs> always thought she was great, so I'm excited to see her again, especially since I haven't watched Agents of Shield in like five years. Um, and then lastly, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, who's one of my favorite actors. I've loved him in everything I've seen him in, uh, in particular, uh, Breaking Bad. He was a villain in that show, uh, who's just amazing, particularly, like, he owned season four of that show. Um, and he is playing a character named Moff Gideon, uh, suggesting that he is, like, an imperial governor, so we don't know the state of the empire, it looks like it's fallen, but he might still be having some power and might be a pretty formidable villain in this 
Um, assuming he's a villain. But I like him, so I'm excited to see him in this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just, I mean, by the time you're hearing this, you might be have been able to uh, listen to, to or watch Chapter 2 already, and hopefully it, it maintains the same level of quality. Um, anything else you want to say about this one before we go? Uh, you know what? I, uh, I I used to think Boba Fett was great. I, uh, I you know, I kind of like Jango Fett, but not as much. And I'm really digging everything Mandalorian right now. So yeah. this is wonderful. When I was a kid, like, I, I, I don't remember where I heard this or I had pieced this together. Before the prequel movies came out, I'd always been under the impression that the Mandalorian were this ancient race of warriors that were wiped out by the Jedi. And, like, the fact that Boba Fett was wearing that armor, was he the last Mandalorian, or did he just, like, cobble that armor together? But there was, like, something significant about that. But there was always this this thing about, like, how, how cool and how unique they were. The fact that they could contend with, like, Jedi Knights despite not having the Force and that, that level of ability. So, I think... I thought Jango Fett looked awesome in the prequels, but, like, the whole thing with cloning Boba Fett and everything like that just really left a, a bad taste in my mouth and, yeah. and the oversaturated. So, I, I didn't want... but the way the Mandalorian characters were handled in Clone Wars and stuff like that and Rebels sort of started to, to regain my trust. I really liked them. Um, but this, yeah, this show, I mean, it's it's great. It, like, it, it, you know, washes any bad taste that you might have had and you can just, like, again, like my, my mind says this is the Boba Fett and IG-88 that I wanted and I get to see them, and but it doesn't have the same baggage, so it's really, really cool. So. Oh, yeah, most yeah. definitely. All right, then, before I let you go, uh, you do have to answer the Galactic Questionnaire, uh, and this is version 3.0. I'm debuting new questions for the first time, so. Uh, Seven questions. The first question is, what is your favorite Stormtrooper variant? Now, this can include the classic Stormtroopers, the Snow Troopers from Empire Strikes Back, the Biker Scouts from Return of the Jedi... Uh, the the new First Order Stormtroopers or like any of them from like the, the other versions from Rogue One or Solo basically just what's your favorite version of the Stormtrooper I like I, I you know what I, I really like the new Order Stormtroopers you do? yeah yeah I mean yeah they're, they're just like a modern take on that old uh, you know the older armor it's it's what I, I it really popped out when when I watched Force Awakens the first time I was like yeah I'm, I'm digging these uh these stormtroopers. So, yeah, I'm going to say these guys. Cool, cool. Uh, your favorite droid character? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because um, I really liked IG-88. Um, <laughs> for Lom, we see, I, uh, also I liked, because um, they were droids and bounty yep. hunters. Yep. Um, but I'm going to have to say... The gonk droid. No, really. Uh, <laughs> oh, we, gonna, get to, uh, we get to see the gonk droid in the show, too. Actually, yeah, we do. <laughs> and it still looks like a guy in a garbage can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm going to say the the medical droids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, these droids just freaked me the hell out when I was young. <laughs> and they still kind of do. Every time I see the, one of these medical droids, I'm like, I know he's there to help, but <laughs> can he look like something nice? <laughs> nice. So I'm going to say the medical droids. Very cool, very cool. Uh, question three. A bigger offender from the special editions, Greedo shooting first or the scene with Jabba the Hutt at Docking Bay 94? Oh, the scene with Jabba the Hutt. 
Agreed, agreed. Um, that, that, I, I just can't handle it. There are so many different reasons why it's wrong. Uh, it's funny, though, as, I, as I, I came up with that question, actually, like a year ago, but as we say this, it was discovered when people started watching uh, the first Star Wars movie on Disney+, Plus that that scene with Greedo shooting in the bar and Han shooting has been tweaked yet again. This is like the fourth or fifth time. Yeah, I've heard. Disney finally said that George Lucas made the change like before before the, the Disney buyout and everything. And basically what it is is it's this really weird cut where like Han says the line, you know, I bet you, I, yes, I bet you have, like right before he shoots. And it's a cutaway, like a closer shot of Greedo saying something, but it's not translated. So it looks like they just took some footage and just like zoomed in a little bit and, and put it in there. And then they both fire again. So I, I, I think maybe the change was made to make it look like Greedo mouthed off or said something offensive and that's why Han shot him or something like that, but Greedo is still shooting at the same time. It's just weird and I don't understand why it happened. But. <laughs> well, they kind of need Han has to react, you know, and, and not take action and just shoot Greedo before anything happens. But, because <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's a smart move. Right. He knows he's going to be shot and he shoots first. But, um, I don't know why he just wants Han to react. I, I still don't get it, but I guess that's what we get. Number four, speaking of Han Solo, number four, better in a jacket or a vest? <laughs> I'm going to say jacket. All right. Uh, <laughs> question five, which character introduced in the prequel trilogy would you want to see a spin-off movie about? I want to see a TV series about Qui-Gon Jinn. Nice. I love that that tall glass of water. I just I just <laughs> love I just love that that Jedi master who's kind of on the verge of something. He's always like kind of on the sidelines or yeah. he's kind of the outcast of these great Jedi, but he's he's one of the, you know, the great ones. And and he he just died too soon. I just I just loved him. I'd like to see more of him. Um and I mean he got killed very rapidly by you know darth maul i know but i just wanted to see him in more action i just wanted to see him being the great jedi he was yeah that's a good pick it's a good pick all right question six what is the best moment in your least favorite star wars movie um okay best moment in my least favorite so first of all you have to identify what's your least favorite star wars movie well, I think Attack of the Clones is just mm-hmm. the worst thing ever, ever. Um, <laughs> but my favorite moment in that one, I'd say, I'd say the the big the big fight with all the Jedi and the 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 the, the droids. Yeah, because we got to see a lot of a lot of great Jedi just fighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so that was cool. But, you know, Jango Fett died too quickly. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, he was up against, I mean, he <laughs> he had no chance. I right. mean, he was against Mace Windu. I mean, yeah. but but still, I mean, he could have had at least a bit of a fighting chance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, then the last question. If you could take a selfie at any location in the Star Wars universe, where would it be? Um... <laughs> It would be on Alderaan, (laughs) 
right before <laughs> when when you see that big laser coming in just before it blows up. That's a good one. That's a good, I never <laughs> expected anybody to answer that one, but that's a good one. It's going to be a hard one to beat. So. All right, well, Bass, thank you very much for being my guest on this special episode of Give Me Those Star Wars. Where else can people find you in our community or in the podcastosphere? Uh, you can find me at uh, uh, Zero Hour Strikes. It's on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. We, Me and Ciscoid, we read every tie-in, every issue, every thing that's even remotely close to the crossover series Zero Hour, go check it out and if you want to listen to something that's already complete, where we, we read everything uh, go check out our Invasion podcast, which is called uh, First Strike, the Invasion podcast you can still check it out all right, thank you very much again for being on the show, uh, as always thank you very much listeners for checking this out Give Me Those Star Wars is a proud part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page for Give Me Those Star Wars. You can also find me on Twitter at RyanDaily01 or you can send an email to rdailypodcast at gmail.com. If you like this show or other shows on the Fire & Water Podcast Network, please consider donating to our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts for additional information. All music, audio clips, or quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. Give Me Those Star Wars is not affiliated with Disney or Lucasfilm, and I make no money from this podcast, so no copyright infringement is intended. Thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you.